Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is Happiness Solved with America's Happiness Coach, Sandy Scarlatta. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. I am so thrilled you're here. Happiness Solved is dedicated to giving you content that is empowering, motivational, inspirational, and of course, a dose of happiness. It's my way to give back to the world and share other people's stories. This thing called life can be challenging, and my guests share their amazing stories, wisdom, and life lessons that demonstrate anyone can choose happiness. You see, happiness is a journey, not a destination. I am Sandy Scarlatta, America's happiness coach, author of Happiness Solved. I'm also a retired U.S. national and international figure skating coach. I have a gold medal in ice dancing. I've been a certified life coach since 2004, and I've been inspiring others to shift their mindset and choose happiness for over 20 years. I am so excited to share that my next book is coming out soon. I am a co-author in the fastest growing personal development book series in the world with Jim Lutz and Jim Britt. The really cool thing is that the foreword was written by the one and only Les Brown, and for my copies, I'm on the cover with him. If you would like a free copy when it's available, email me at sandy at sandyscarlotta.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I am so grateful for you. Today's guest is Kimberly Valerie. Kimberly is no stranger to adversity. After being separated from her family at a young age, rejected by her peers and culture, she set out to make her own way. She is a social worker, master coach, serial entrepreneur, a Grammy to eight, and a cancer survivor. Now semi-retired, you will find her traveling between her two homes with her husband and two dogs and coaching others on how to create the life they love right now. Kimberly, it's so great to see you today. I've been waiting for this moment for so long now. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Sandy. I'm really excited to be here. I'm yeah. happy to be here. You're happy to be here. That's that's a prerequisite for all my guests. <laughs> you need to at least show up happy. We're not happy all the time, but at least just show up happy. <laughs> yeah. So now what part of Canada are you from? You from are, are you from again? Um, I'm in BC and Alberta. Okay. So- yeah, kind of Western Canada. So you go back and forth between two homes because you are semi-retired, you lucky girl. Yeah, we're retired from nine to fives, but as serial entrepreneurs, my husband and I, our whole lives, there's just no, there's no like retiring from the uh, imagination and the possibilities. And right. it's just, you just are, it's just a little more open-ended, right? Like we got back from a long trip yesterday. Slept until 10 o'clock this morning, right? Went for my walk, did my breath work, you know, then started work at one o'clock. So that's perfect. That's the beauty. Yeah. About being yeah, completely. Work. Yeah. So you have a very interesting story. So talk about your story, because I know you had some, you know, 
not the ideal up, upbringing to say the least. Yeah, you know, we it's always interesting that. when we spend some time going backwards. I always find, depending on what's going on in my present life and some of the things that might be occurring, I find myself always taking a little bit of a gander back to see where things are connected. But my story really starts uh, as born in chaos and poverty, you know, and I don't think that that's unfamiliar, right? There's a lot of uh, a lot of us that have had that. Uh, story, but I also experienced a really severe trauma at about the age of 13, where I was severely beaten up by my mother's boyfriend. And oh my god, it's a little bit of a trigger warning for your audience. Maybe that's a little bit late, but what ha what happened in that moment? Well, besides being almost killed, is my mother was actually there, and my mother was there and witnessing the event. Um, and her response was that she, she saved my life by calling an ambulance and. It's, it's kind of like I share that part of the story to, to help people see like the perspective that my mom was coming from um, is that she saw that act as being a life-saving act as opposed to the danger with which we were in to begin with. And um, it's quite funny because now my mom is in her 70s. She's got dementia and I'm her caregiver. And I just asked her a couple weeks ago, like, tell me about that, mom, if you remember. Tell me about that. And she said... Kimberly, I knew from the moment you met him, because she brought this, he, I call him the monster in my book. Um, the moment you met him, I knew he was going to kill you one day. And I oh knew that I had to get you away from the house. And so even all these years later, she still holds on to that. That was her thing. And we have, you know, I have younger siblings um, that stayed in the home. And so what what became, like, I'm, I know it's a real tragic event and it's very, tr you know, there's lots of trauma and there's lots of stuff that, that I carry through to adulthood. But I think what, one of the things that's most profound is for me as what happened. So typically when people are born into like poverty and chaos and addiction, they live in that, that life cycle. That's all they know. They tend to then act all that out as well. And in my life with my siblings, uh, all my siblings became really extreme addicts and very destructive in their life in terms of what you would see externally, right? alcoholism, um, drugs, just things like that, toxic relationships, that kind of stuff. And for me, it was the complete opposite. I actually became an overachiever and a high performer. And so what, what, and so what hey, ended up happening? There's worse things that you could be, right? Really? Yeah. And this is, this is, and this has really been the aha for me over the last few years. Five years ago, I was diagnosed with cancer and that mm -hmm. led me onto a whole new level of um, understanding and healing. But what I came to realize is that my addiction from the age of probably 15 to 40 or 50, even now, even now I'm have that, I have that, I became this like insatiable. I had this insatiable need to just always like set a goal, something big, something that scared me, something that I had no idea how to do, or, um, just like always pushing the envelope, whether it was physically, whether it was in business, career, whatever it was, I was always on this expansion and on the move, not in a hustle kind of way, but in a real a way that really created expansion for me. And so ultimately, by the time I was 50, I was a millionaire and we were semi-retired. And by all intents and purposes, it was, you know, I was like, this was some of my thought. This is funny. Well, I had a really shitty upbringing, but my adult life was beautiful. Right. I had a real, I mean, I had the ups and downs. We, we were a blended family with five kids We or four kids, five, four. Um, there was, there's definitely some periods of strife, but overall, I mean, I was approaching 50. I was 
I own two businesses. I had a career in social work. I was doing not-for-profit, like strategic planning for not-for-profit. Um, my husband had a multi-million dollar business as well. We traveled when we want. I was doing Ironmans, like I was a grandma. I mean, it didn't get any better than that. And then I got cancer and then boom. Wow. Well, you know, when you think about it, everybody has stuff that come their childhood. No one's childhood is perfect. And and you, frankly, you don't want it to be because those experiences that we go through as kids prepare us for the real world. They really do. And you have to have that. You know, it's no. funny that you just say that because I was listening to um, Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, just yesterday. Oh, I love that book. 14-hour drive, and we listened. Did you hear it? Did you did you listen to it on I audio? Didn't, no, I, no, I read the book. I actually oh, read it. Unbelievable book. Right. Yeah. And I highly recommend the audio version, too, because his voice. He, he narrates it, right. Yes. Uh, the tone and the pitch and the emotion really adds to the intensity of all. Anyway, anyway, he talks a lot about his childhood, right? And it's, it's a tough one. But yeah. he, he, he looks at it this, you know, it's like, again, when you look back, I couldn't be me without being them being yeah. them. And I know it's like, we don't wish harsh shit on anybody. Any, no child. This yep. isn't about condoning abuse and physical discipline and things like that. But we, just like you, Sandy, you are not the person you are today, or you are, I should say, the person you are today because of who those other people were in your life, whatever, whether it was childhood, adulthood, whatever. And so yeah. it is a balance of like understanding that that contributed to part of, and so that does contribute to part of my upbringing yeah. right? and my development, yeah. right? Of course it does. Of course it does. And it's great that you can see that because- too often, I think people get stuck in it and they feel like this is who I am and they don't right? take, they don't take the courage that it takes. Cause it's, it's hard. Like you were saying, you pushed yourself into being uncomfortable. That's hard to do. And not a lot of people are willing to do that and to, to feel that uncomfortableness because they don't realize when they get through to the other side, how amazing things are. Yeah, you know, I think about the time I used to do um, uh, Ironmans, like endurance triathlons. I can't believe that you did an Ironman. How many have you done? I have completed one. I have attempted three. That's remarkable. I mean, just attempting it is incredible. I, I, the last one, I, I literally got dragged off the course. I was so sick. Oh. So sick, and I would not give up. Anyway, but what I was going to say is like, the swim portion of an Ironman for me was the most terrifying because I didn't know how to swim. It was my, you know, I learned how to swim. I spent the year learning, but the day race day, you're standing on the edge of the water. It's open water. You're with 3000 other people. I mean, it, and the gun goes off and you have to swim across an entire lake and, and back and not die and then carry on the things. But in that moment of me completing that, so, and you have to do it in a time limit, two hours and 10 minutes is the, the maximum. And I, you know, I used to do all these sports. I am not a professional. I do not um, podium these events. I always just a participator, right? I just go out and do my best and I have these big aspirations. I finished that swim in one hour and 50 minutes, which I was ecstatic. Of course. And I remember getting on my bike after, you know, then you change. How many miles is that, Kimberly? How many oh, miles is that? The swim is 3.8 kilometers. I mean, that's a long way to swim. I think it's like. I don't know what it is in miles. Sorry. Yeah. 
but it's so, at least two miles. Yeah, it's like two point something miles. But yeah. then you have to ride a bike. And I still remember to this day getting on my bike and I was riding up through town and my breathing had calmed down now because you got to run around and get changed and all that. You get on your bike and I'm on my bike and I'm riding through town and all of a sudden it hits me. The wave of emotion that came after realizing that I completed that swim was alive and able to ride my bike and go on to the next portion. And to this day, any type of, um, anytime I have to anchor into a place of like, I still get emotional now where I really, the gratitude and the overwhelm of achieving something that seemed like it would literally kill me. Not just like, Oh my God, people are going to make fun of me. No, I was afraid I was literally going to die. Um, it really still overwhelms me because it was such a euphoric moment, right? To, to come from that place of being terrified. And I know it's just a swim, but you know, these things no, have a no. of integrating into, this is what I love about sport is it really integrates into life lessons. Yeah. Right? And you're, you're a professional uh, coach, right? You coach mm -hmm. professional athletes. Mm -hmm. right? There's so much analogy from oh, yeah. like sports that, that, integrate well into life so I for still, sure yeah I still use that moment even going through cancer treatments times I'm terrified I use that moment of when I completed that swim to really anchor me into those feelings of like you got this well it's actually quite remarkable because so I I completed one marathon in 2006 and when I interviewed our mutual friend mentor coach oh, Craig Siegel great. he was like Sandy you're in the one percent so if I'm in the 1% of people that have completed a marathon, people that have actually completed a, an Ironman, because folks, in case you're not familiar with it, she did the two-mile swim. It's, what is it? How many miles is the, is the bike ride? It's a 180-kilometer bike ride. So, so that's, that be like that's long. Yeah. And then she has to go, then the third portion, the third leg the of marathon. a triathlon of, of an Ironman is a marathon. <laughs> I mean, I was... I trained for another marathon. My training got messed up because you have to be very diligent. Yeah, with your marathon, training. you can't really, you can't really, um, you can't really like uh, fake a marathon. No, you can't fake a marathon. So my training got messed up. And then I started thinking, because I did my marathon and just my goal was to finish it under five hours. I finished it in four hours and 55 minutes. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, who the heck runs for five hours? Like, am I crazy? <laughs> so that, that, that like, it's an Ironman. So, okay. I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life. I grew up on the water. I can swim. Oh, yeah, I decided yeah. I was going to do a sprint triathlon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had, at the time, we had an in-ground pull. It was a big rectangle. It was perfect for doing laps. For okay. a month, I got out there every day. And after one month, I couldn't, I was like, I can't swim. I mean, I can, I can swim, but I'm like, I can't do this. I, oh, yeah, I gave yeah. up. I gave up. Oh, I, you know what? I, when I, I, like, I can't, it took me 20 years to be able to learn to swim. Not going to lie. I yeah. Swim it's swimming is not for like, everybody. Like to swim, like so that I could do an Ironman. I spent 20 years with that dream in my belly. And I took a couple of uh, classes. I took a, because I used to run and bike. So then I was like, Oh, well, I just have to learn to swim. But it was terrifying for me. There's all kinds of things with swimming. It wasn't just the swimming. It was that because I would get panic attack every time I got in the deep end. Um, it was like, how do you keep your heart rate so that you can not like be hyperventilating with water mm -hmm. in your face? And then also just the fear that comes along with all of that stuff. And 
then for with as a woman, as a young woman, I had all kinds of like body issues. I'm like, oh, bathing suits and wetsuits and you know, all that kind of stuff. It was just so many barriers that were just ridiculous. But um uh it's been years. I have not been able to get back into the endurance part of what I used to do, and I used to love it so much. Every time I try, I end up with an injury or something. But now I think to myself, I used to on Saturdays, I used to go ride my bike for like eight hours and then go for a two hour run right after. Who wow. the fuck does that? Right. <laughs> Why did I think that was fun? I can't even for the life of me. It's so funny how we evolve. And it's like, why did I think that that was fun? I, no wonder people thought I was off my rocker. That's funny. But <laughs> to bring it back, yeah, the amount of emotional physic and physical endurance that it took for you to do that no wonder you've had this drive because that's like folks i'm telling you you've never even run a 5k 10k like it's not easy it's it's a total mind f if you will you know what yeah i had a coach i hired a, a triathlon coach that really was able to pace my mind she yeah. gave me, it was nine months of training and she gave it to me in four week cycles. I couldn't, I was not allowed to look further than four weeks ahead. We had, I had to stick day in and day out. Yeah. You have to develop the habits, right? The discipline to get up and, mm-hmm. you know, because you are working, doing, well, I was working then too. I was working a career. And so I was on a very tight timeline and had to do two workouts a day. You know, you'd be swimming in the morning and uh, working on strength training and cycling or whatever, running whatever in the evening. But here's a fun fact. I've only ever done one marathon that's not in a triathlon, uh, man. And that marathon was awful. Like I did just the marathon in Chicago in 2008. It was brutal. It was miserable. It was the year. It was super hot. Um, I think I finished it in six and a half hours or something brutal like that. I walked the last half. And I was like, I'll never do that again. And then in 2011, I did the Ironman with the marathon at the end. And my marathon time in an Ironman was faster than when I did that straight no marathon. Way. You know no why? No, here's the thing. When you train for something like that, because you're it's in such great shape. Well, it, it's not even that. You're you're um you by the time you get to the run portion, you're spent. Your energy is spent. You're living off gels and salt tablets and all kinds of concoctions, whatever you can do to get you through to the next kilometer. But um, the race, when you're training, you overtrain on the bike and in um, kind of hit style workouts. So you don't actually spend as much time run training as you would in a marathon training. Interesting. Yeah. So for me, because running was not my forte and I had some injuries, I spent double the amount of time training on the bike. So that in a week, my longest run, I, my longest run in training for uh, Ironman was three hours. That was it. That was the longest run. Well, the bike is so good for strength training and endurance, yeah. and it and it's not hurting your joints or your knees. Right. So, so that I makes would sense. Overtrain on the bike so that in the run, but when you're training for a marathon, you're out running four times a week. Right. And I ran five, five or six. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's bang, bang, bang running, right? You're mm-hmm. doing furloughs or whatever they are, hill yep. training, speed intervals, all that. But with Ironman training, because running is so hard on your body, I ran three times a week and the longest run was three hours. It didn't matter if I got 20 kilometers in in those three hours or 40. 
right? Wow. And so I always say the next marathon I'll do will be on the tail end of another Ironman. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. I want to talk about relationship with money because I heard you a couple days ago on our mindset call and I was like floored. I was like, whoa. So let's talk a little bit about that and how you were able to reach that mindset with your relationship with money. Oh, well, it's, you know, Sandy, and you've had your own experiences too. It's a, it's a lifelong relationship, money and money, how, how you get it, have it, keep it, use it. All those pieces are really, it's just another relationship. And so at one point, <clears throat> I'm just trying to think back. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like, um, it wasn't like one moment that changed things. It was like, as I started to find success and mm -hmm. learn a new level of confidence within myself, I required less money, if you will, to make me feel the things that I was lacking. Yeah. And so I, I you know, when I think about it, like, I'm going to out my kids here. So my, my, you know, or I'll, I'll just out a generation right now. Young people, young people in my world, they're like getting married, having babies and they got fancy cars. They got, they're getting, they're getting 80, $90,000 cars. They're 30 years old, driving 90, hundred, $120,000 cars and totally fine. It's their money, their car payment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but then the struggle becomes how to make these car payments. And the struggle is I don't, I, I need to have a certain type of car in order to feel worthy, right. to feel valued. So when you take that and you actually strip that back, it really is about internal reflection. And so the more you, to me, for me, the more I healed, the more I became whole within myself, the less I required the less, not that I required, because I have bougie taste, don't get me wrong, but I don't, I don't need designer clothes. Right. I need clothes that make me feel good, but right. I don't need designer clothes to show you that I'm all that. Right. Because I know inside I'm all that. I don't need, exactly. you know, I don't need fancy. I mean, I like a good comfy car, but it's now based on what I like to drive versus me needing this these things to reflect the parts of me that are missing. Right. And I think that that's a real big story in everybody's life. It totally is. Because right? you're comparing and, yourself to others and you feel like, oh, she's driving that Range Rover. She looks so happy. I want that. I call it the mommy, people don't, mommy look. Right. But, but what people don't realize is, and, and I write about this in my book, friend of mine said, when you say you want to be like that person, you need to be willing to accept all the good and all the bad shit that they're carrying in their life. And when you look at it that way, I look at somebody, I'm like, you know what? That person has problems that are probably a lot bigger than mine. I'm going to hold on to my, my baggage because it's mine and it's yeah. comfortable. I don't want to be like anybody else. And that's the thing. And I think, you know, I, I challenged this with one of, uh, with a client of mine years ago, she was like, she wanted to, she was living in this like highly suburban area and all the mummies at the drop-off line were in white Land Rovers or whatever they were, SUVs with their Starbucks and their Uggs and, you know, their long straight hair. And she, she wanted that. She wanted to be that so bad. 
right? That she had gone bankrupt trying to be that. And I know that there's, we all have our journeys and we all have our lessons and mine were no different in, in some respect. Here's the thing that really helped me understand money. I think a little bit easier. I didn't have any, we never really had any huge financial disasters. We did. We were very poor when we were young, my husband and I and our kids, uh, very poor as in, you know, we're living paycheck to paycheck like everybody right. else. Right. Um, right. one car, like all that kind of stuff. Um, but my husband came from a very different background. And so he came from, um, you have to put your head down and you work until you die. You, right. You just keep stashing. So Mm -hmm. you got this kind of hoarder guy who literally still to this day, we joke about him because he literally looks like he's on the streets. Like I have to remind him, dude, like, can you put on some clean clothes? Like he just, he cares not. Right. We, We sometimes call him the unassuming millionaire because he just, he just, uh, and so his relationship with money and my relationship with money together, when we came together and started to like, okay, let's figure out what our goals are, what our values are. Um, it really came together. He taught me well, right. He started to teach me and, and show me that you could have a surplus and you don't have to spend it all. Right. Right. You can. And so the lessons are, are for both of us really. And so I just started leaning into those. Yeah. Have I bought cars that, you know, or wasted money on cars or whatever? Yes, absolutely. Have I wasted money on gym memberships that I've never attended? Absolutely. <laughs> That's my <laughs> thing. Everybody, like, I, always say, I always say, well, it wouldn't be the first time I spent 2,200 bucks. I'm like the perfect customer for one of those checks. <laughs> Right. Sign me up and I never go. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I finally just started. I'm just like, look, I need a personal trainer. I don't give a shit that it's going to cost me thousands of dollars more because at least I'll use it. Whereas right. if I buy the gym membership, right. I just won't show up. Right. Oh my God. And that's funny. It's, yeah. it's about I, accountability. And I know for me, I need accountability when it comes yeah. to working out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I need, yeah. So it's just kind of funny. But, um, Exploring and understanding that part. I think your money, your story and your relationship with money really grows the more the as much as you're willing to grow and learn from as mm-hmm. mu- much as you're really willing to grow and learn how much value like what, what creates value, you know, as humans, we're so used to doing like everything, all the value that we get are in the things that we do, right, as opposed to just be and it's really hard to be and feel valuable in this world right the whole industrial revolution was based on productivity the bigger the faster the more right like just the whole thing and so that's really truly ingrained in us and so being able to understand your own internal value without it being attached to anything is to me that is that that to me is a real level of maturity and understanding and confidence that then you can go create from a, a place of confidence not working out your, you know, unmet needs or your need for uh, security or safety and all, all those kinds of things. Right. Cause most of us, it starts off with that. Yeah. Right? It starts off with, sure. we need, we need a house. We need, we need to secure our safety. We need to secure our yeah. food. Right. And then, and then it just goes overboard. Right. And it's so easy to go overboard in the United States, especially, um, because it's, there's just, so, it's just, I'm sure it's no, not much different in Canada, that it's just so many things that, you know, we want. and Delayed gratification. This yeah. time, 
came to me when I was raising kids. And so this is a long years ago. Um, and this is something that kids and people like young people, I, Oh God, I can't believe I'm talking like this. Like my grandkids, <laughs> wait, 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 who is this talking? <laughs> my grandkids don't understand this, right? Because of the internet, because of the access, like, look at, see, we were talking about this the other day, my husband and I, can you imagine a time when Google didn't exist and we couldn't actually, we couldn't actually sort out who was right. Yeah. Who knew more? You couldn't, right? Now it's like, hey, Google, blah, 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 blah. Like yeah. my four-year-old grandson asks Google the questions, the answers to the questions he needs. And so they're used to just having this constant stream of there's not, not this delayed gratification. And I think that really changes things, right? Because yeah. there is a process and I, I, there really is a beauty that comes with patience and time, but most people don't, don't want to wait. Right. That's right. They don't. Right. Like don't. you now, right. As a, as a mature woman, who's got some life behind you, like the wisdom you hold now, wouldn't you love that 20 years ago? Oh, of course. But, but you know what, then I wouldn't be the person I am today. Right. right. Like you, sure. you have to go through all of that, but yeah, oh, I think about it all the time. Like, and it's just a matter of, you know, as we get older, women, and I'm, I'm sure men go through this too, you reach so many milestones and it's hard. And I've been struggling with this just because my birthday this year puts me a little bit closer to 60 and I'm like, Ugh. and, and so, but it's okay because I've got three and a half years to process this and to work through it. And, you know, it's okay. You know, I, I'm going to be doing this, God willing, for the next 30 years, right? Right, because you, right, because you enjoy what you're doing. And this right. is the thing. My husband's seven years older than me. So I, I understand what you're saying about this. Because when the year that he, when he turned 60, so right now he's 61, he's coming up 62. So when he turned 60, everyone was like to him, oh, how do you feel turning 60? He doesn't give a shit. And I'm like, oh, you guys should be asking me. I'm the one that's having drama. <laughs> Like I'm married to a 60 year old. What happened? My husband turned 65 this year. He's eight years older. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to be married to a 65 year old. And he's like, well, I'm going to be married to a 57 year old. And I'm like, how did that happen? How did this happen? The four of us need to get together. We sound like we're just like exactly on the same plane. Darren will say that to me. He'll be like, uh, sweetheart, well, you're no spring chicken yourself. Right. I look at that and I'm like, oh yeah. I'm getting old too. <laughs> I know my best friend said that to me. Oh my God, can you believe you're sleeping with a 60 year old? I'm like, shut up. You are too. <laughs> hey, it's all relative. It is. So, it really is. This has been such a great conversation. What else do you want to share with the audience that you haven't talked about this far? You know, I think, <laughs> I love this. This has been a good conversation. I know, right? You, Sandy. Um, you know, I think if I could leave any, you know, going from like a child with has, which I mean, basically I just know I, I wasn't like launched, you know, a lot of us just kind of like bootstrapping kind of kid. Really. I think the uh, possibilities, the infinite possibilities really do as cheesy as they sound, they really do lay within. Um, and we do spend most of our lives searching externally for those things that we internally long for. 
So if I could leave anything for anybody, it's always this. Be curious about your internal state. Be curious and start asking yourself, what is it I'm searching for? What is it I'm looking for? Because it really, and as I've come to learn, cliches are cliches for a reason. Mm-hmm. Because they are. Um, and so if the sooner that people can do that, I think the more expansion they will receive in their life. Right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave it sure. with that. I love it. Kimberly, thank you so much. And enjoy your semi-retirement and everything you have going on. Yeah, thanks, Sandy, so much. All right, thank you. I just love Kimberly's energy, and she's a friend and a peer of mine, and I hope you check out her website at KimberlyVallery.com. So thank you so much for listening today. And as always, I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and that your lives are filled with peace, joy, and happiness. Take care, everyone. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.